0: I began thinking about trying to cover uh, Genesis chapter 6 and chapter 7 and chapter 8 uh, in about 40 minutes. I, <laughs> I said, how to do that? How can I do that? And so I uh, started looking at uh, an outlines, the outlines in, in one of my commentaries that I use and I uh, i uh, and, and that commentary is uh this uh commentary by this particular volume on genesis is by david stewart the late david stewart briscoe uh i don't know if you've familiar with his writings uh uh you may have uh read some of the materials by his wife jill but uh he uh, was pastor of uh, Elmwood Church up in Wisconsin for 30 years. His senior pastor. Uh, and he passed away about a year and a half ago now. Uh, at any rate, and so I've relied heavily on that, and we're going to kind of move quickly. And uh, I hope to write some things on the board. Uh, and I should have learned how to do like Scott, then have just have it all on the screen and just go right through it all. Uh, but uh, I wasn't able to do either of those two things. Uh, so we'll just do the best I. We'll do the best we can with these 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 chapters. But I leaned heavily on uh, Dr. Briscoe's. Uh, Commentary. At, at any rate, we saw in the last time we met, uh, and Scott led us uh, in chapter 4 of Genesis, and, and, with, and that topic was murder, and that was Cain and Abel, that situation, that terrible situation. Chapter 4 closes with, the last part of chapter 4 gives us the lineage of Cain, all right? And then tells us also that Adam and Eve had another son after that. His name was Seth. And then, chapter five contains the lineage, if you will, of all the begats of Cain, of, of, of Seth, excuse me, of Seth. Uh, and and a lot of people say, "Well, you know, it tells it tells us." And if you look at your Bibles, you'll see this: how how old different people were, and all, and they said, "And so and so lived so so many years, and not just 50 years, 500 years, and died." So and so lived so and so so many years, and he died. And and people start adding up all these things, and they say, "Well, you know what?" All this is true, then we know pretty much when God created the earth. because so we could work backwards for these particular years, uh, th- thousands of years, they all add up though. So, and you can get there well, except unfortunately, in these family histories, some generations are skipped. In other words, so-and-so fathered so-and-so. Well, fathered so-and-so might be, he was the grandfather or the great-grandfather. That, that's the line. And so there, a lot, there are gaps in there like that. We don't know, but for some reason, the Holy Spirit led Moses to write this and he wrote down these particular lineages. And that kind of gives us a, uh, a thought process of where we are, all right. So we, don't, but we don't know year, you know, time-wise. We, we know relative to people, but we don't know relative to calendar. And so it it's, uh makes sense. Now some people who are very conservative, who are very dogmatic about the scriptures and very literal about the scripture, scriptures don't agree with that, and they say, oh, we know this. Total time given there in these lineages and family trees is 1652 years or something like that, and and so, but uh, nevertheless, there are some uh, uh, gaps in there. So, so what we're going to do? We're going to start today with chapter, uh, chapter six and seven, and uh, and and then. And that really is the topic of judgment. Judgment's going to come uh, for all sins. And then we get to chapter eight, and restoration awaits those who trust God. And so uh, Dr. Briscoe's commentary entitled chapter six, his heading for that is the character of God, the emphasis, in that particular thing is not on a man named Noah, but is rather his own God, as he sees it, and he talks about God's principles as outlined in chapter six. And what he's talking about there, these principles are the principles of the God's principles, principles of existence. Uh, because everything everything exists as God chooses and survives only as he determines determines it. And then there's the principle of dependence. And that means that man functions properly only when he acts in accordance with the mandates of God, the Creator. And then there's the principle of consequence. And then that kind of follows. And we understand that because God's commands, you know, cannot be disregarded without impunity. There's going to be consequences. Uh, for what you do all right and so the focus then is on on that and then we have God's perspective so if you're looking at chapter six in your bibles there is a section of four verses which gained lots of attention from bible scholars and it says when mankind began to multiply on the earth and daughters were born to them the sons of God saw that the daughters of mankind were beautiful. They took and, and they and they took any they chose as wives for themselves. And the Lord said, "My spirit will not remain with mankind forever, because they are corrupt. Their days will be hundred and twenty years." The Nephilim were on the earth both in those days and afterward, when the sons of God came to the daughters of mankind, who bore children to them. And they were powerful men of old, famous, the famous men. And so, right off the bat, you have a lot of questions. And our material, life, we just skips all of that. Who are these sons of God? Well, I tell you what I think. I think these sons of God, because elsewhere, like in Revelation, it speaks of these as fallen angels. When the devil, Satan, is a fallen angel. When he was kicked out of heaven, the presence of God, Revelation tells us a third uh, of the angels went with him, all right, fell with him. We call them demons, the devil's henchmen, and, and they became involved. I think what this section really is telling us is that, you know, things went downhill fast after Adam and Eve left the garden. There was a murder and things just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And this is the way of saying, you know, demons have infiltrated society. They've infiltrated people, and things are just really getting bad, all right? And so it starts in verse 5. Uh, God's perspective on this, in verse 5, when the Lord saw that human wickedness was widespread on the earth, that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time, he saw the wickedness, the wickedness of mankind. Uh, also, man's uh, continual evil thoughts, all right, uh, go there. They were just connected. And so if we skip down to verse 11 in chapter 6, we'll find now the earth was corrupt in God's sight. You know, it was just filled with wickedness filled with wickedness and uh, in verse 13 uh, we read uh, then God said to Noah I have decided to put an end to every creature for the earth is filled with the wickedness with wickedness because of them therefore I am going to destroy them all along with the earth all right so modern man the people of our day uh, either does not believe that God exists or he believes God is you know such a nice guy that he'd not be unkind enough to to judge anybody or anything and so that's just wishful thinking and that really needs to be corrected of course. Uh, Vance Abner the old preacher old country preacher uh, who's, who's deceased now, but uh, he once said, he says, I was riding along the highway the other day and I saw a sign, it said, dirt for sale. And I said, they ought to hang that over every rack of paper-bound books in the drugstores of America. Said, Not since Manhattan Island was sold for $24, has there been so much dirt available for so little money, as now sin persists. It's just they're everywhere. Alright? Everywhere. And so, these people in Noah's day were so wicked that God was bringing judgment. Alright? And so, we need to be careful. And often, the Bible will express God's perspective, God's characteristics, if you will, in human terms. How else would he do it? All right? And so that's why it was said God saw these things. But when God's, God was at pain, pain because of these. In other words, God's pain, God's deep distress. Verses 6 and 7, the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth. He was deeply grieved. And the Lord said, I'll wipe away mankind whom I created off the face of the earth. Together with the animals, creatures that crawl, and birds of the sky. For I regret that I made them. All right? We're expressing God in terms that we can understand. All right? That's what Moses was doing here. And then there was God's pleasure. we were representing God's grace. And that follows in chapter 6, verse 9. And these are the family records of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his contemporaries, Noah walked with God. Right? So, and Noah fathered uh, three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Right? Noah was pleasing to God. God's pleasure comes uh, from dispensing grace and discovering uh, those who warmly and willing to, to uh, receive it. Right? That gives God <coughs> pleasure. All right. And Noah, Noah was, was righteous. That means he was just. He had proper behavior uh, toward others in the society in which he lived, in this culture. And he was blameless, it says here. Or he was perfect, some of your Bibles will say. And that means he was wholeheartedly committed to the Lord. All right, doesn't mean he was sinless, but he was wholeheartedly committed to the Lord. So he stood out in shining contrast uh, to the sort of society that was around him. And God was making provision uh, for him. And God was making provisions for the society around him. He was going to be God's instrument, all right? God said to Noah in verse 13, I have decided to put an end to every creature, for the earth is filled with wickedness, because of them. Therefore, I'm going to destroy them along with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it with pitch inside and outside. And this is how you are to make it. The ark will be 450 feet long, 70 feet wide, 45 feet high. And that's translated, it's really, in cubics, 18 inches, about a cubic, you know, here it is. And so... Uh, this translation puts it in feet for us. And you are to make a roof, finishing the sides of the ark to within 18 inches of the roof. And you are to put a door on the side of the ark, make it with lower, middle, and upper decks. And so God uh, specified for him how to make an ark. Well, what that really means, uh, ark, the word really means a box. But it means box. And the only place this word that's used here for ark is used again when it ta- talks, the Bible talks about Moses uh, being in a uh, basket, you know, as a baby drifting the river. Well, that word ark is used there too. It's like a chest, it's a small chest that you put something in. Well, here, it's not just a small, it's a big box. It's a big box. Not a lot of ships, a boat. of boats. All right? Is that ark up in Kentucky, is that supposed to be the exact that size? That's supposed to be the size, okay. yes. Okay. You've been to the ark, and mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you, you know it, it's I it's big. Mm-hmm. All right. And that's a replica of, of following the specifications. as supposed to be several floors, three floors, Mm -hmm. a roof, you know, door. Anyway, so that's it. Uh, And then God's judgment plan was, he he said, uh, understand I am bringing a flood. Flood waters on the earth to destroy every creature under the heavens with the breath of life in it. Everything on earth is going to perish. But I will establish my covenant with you You will enter the ark with your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives, all right? And you're also able to bring the ark two of all the living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you, all right? Two of everything, all right? And so that was his plan, and that's what he said he was going to do. The ark was going to shelter Noah and his family, all living creatures, male and female, and they would not perish. Uh, and he was going to have to stow away. no one's going to have to stow away food, by the way, for everybody, including the animals, to sustain him and his family and the animals. So there's a lot to be done. It took a long time to build this. We don't know what gopher wood was. We just don't know what that meant, uh, what type of wood that was. But he was going to pitch it with tar, you know, sap, Make it waterproof. So well, he had all the, the design, he had the specifications all given to him. And we see here God's, God's patience, if you will. His patience. Uh, now, he could have used a faster way for exacting his judgment, couldn't he? And this, what he's doing, what he did. Uh, but uh, he enlisted man to be a part of his plan. He could have just snapped everybody but uh, Noah and his family certain animals. But they chose this way. Second Peter 25 talks about God's patience. He points out that during the construction activities Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So God was patient, took his time, and while he Noah worked, he also had an opportunity to be a preacher. He preached, he preached righteousness. Mm-hmm. All right? Preach way. 1 Peter 3.20 speaks of God patiently waiting while the ark was being prepared. Uh, God was patient with him, even though Noah preached repentance, did not come. Then he had that promise I read. There's a covenant established, a covenant between uh, Self and and Noah. And so a man agrees to abide abide by the agreement of of, of the promise and we're going to address this again for a moment in chapter 8 more detail as we look at, uh, and, more, and in more detail as we look at chapter 9 uh, next week and so there was a relationship that God was establishing here with Noah and God's showing himself ready; he's ready to meet people and he promised that he would be with them uh, and so he outlined all the details of behavior that this relationship uh, acquired. And it was going to be a relationship that was warm uh, and uh, wholesome. And so this theme of a relationship with God that's present all through the Bible even through the New Testament to the New Covenant uh, which speaks of the blood of Christ uh, whereby mankind is thoroughly reconciled to God. We're reconciled to God. Alright? through the blood of Jesus. And so, moving on to, to chapter 7 of, of Genesis. <coughs> in, uh, in, in chapter 7, we, we learn more about Noah. He was a man of faith. He was a man of faith. Alright? Chapter 6 ends with verse 22. And it says, he, he, that's Noah, did everything that God had commanded him. Yeah. Noah did everything. Go back in the New Testament. Writer of Hebrews in chapters 11 verse 7. He says, By faith Noah, after he was warned about what was not yet seen and motivated by godly fear, built an ark to deliver his family. By faith he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith and you know as you know chapter 11 is uh the writer of hebrews has a whole a hall of fame if you will, a, a people of faith and so noah was called out of that well as we begin chapter 7 we read then the lord said to noah enter the ark you and all your household for i've seen that you alone are righteous before me in this generation. You are to take with you, and listen, this is different. This is something I have not heard. You are to take with you seven pairs, a male and its female, of all the clean animals, and two of the animals that are not clean, a male and its female, and seven pairs, male and female, of the birds of the sky, in order to keep offspring alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now I will make it rain on the earth forty days and forty nights, and every living thing I have made I will wipe off the face of the earth. And Noah did everything that the Lord commanded him. That's repeating again. Noah did as he was as he was told. All right. And so faith is, is what faith is the response. To what's been revealed to you. Alright? You you respond in faith. Noah responded uh, in faith. God told Noah he was going to bring a flood, uh, a huge flood, and Noah believed God. Alright? He was told that the end of all flesh was coming. He believed God. I told him to build this gigantic ark Fill it with animals because of the coming destruction, and he believed God. God told him to enter the ark, all his household. What did he do? He did it. He did it. All right, Noah was quite a man. All right, faith. And going back to that seven pairs, I, I, I knew about animals two by two. What does that mean? Clean animals. Well, that's a mystery, if you will. More than likely, more than likely, clean animals available for uh, offering sacrifices. Although, and that, what's interesting about that is, you know, the law, the Mosaic law, had not even been given at this point. It was way, way downstream in years. All right. Or don't you think they would need to have clean animals to eat? Well, yes, they would have to have clean animals to eat as well. But I don't know that they slaughtered animals on on the ark. Nothing there that said they did that. And so, uh, but he had to take enough grain, he had to take food to supply them all this time. Uh, So I don't know the answer to that question. And, And, you know, clean animals became Uh, prevalent with the giving of the law and and the diet and so on and so the, the, the distinction between clean and unclean but at this time instinctively they knew they knew about building an altar and offering sacrifices well Cain and Abel remember They made offerings. And so, uh, how that came about, we're unsure. That's a mystery. I think one thing that's so amazing is that it had not rained before this. Oh, that rain was unknown, yeah. Everything was uh, watered from a mist. Well, yeah. Groundwater, all right, uh, water uh, underneath. Mist came up. Like to do. All right, and there, if there's a relationship in your relationship of uh, coming from faith, there's got to be trust. All right, and 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 verse. uh, If you look at verse seventeen in in chapter seven, uh, let's see what it says. No, that's the wrong, wrong word. All right. Well, I can't find it now. Doesn't Noah was six hundred years old? Okay. I don't think it's in our book. No, it's not in your book. I was looking for it here. But he trusted God. God shut him in. He and his family on him. God shut the door. All right? God shut the door. And so he had to trust God during all this time. And so, and so, it says, It's in 16. It's it 16? And the Lord shut him in. There you go. That, yeah, I see it now. Yeah, 16. That's true. Says, then the Lord shut him in. Uh, and so for the next year, Noah had to continue trusting God whether he could see or whether he could understand or not he was in the heart and his family he trusted God and 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 we know from our studies in the past James uh, the book of James reminds us faith it does not have works is it's dead it's dead and then so by faith Noah set to work uh, building this mammoth ark, and by faith Noah gathered all the animals and led them into the ark. And by faith Noah fed and cleaned up after all the animals on board for about a year's time there. Noah's faith worked. I says Noah did all this. I'm, I'm sure his sons, his family uh, also, awesome. maybe his son. you got the first deck, you got the second deck, you got the third deck. I don't know how all that worked, but that was a a big task, and they were there for about a year inside. But faith, and faith releases blessings for you, a blessing released to Noah and his family uh, because of his faith uh, recorded in verse 23, uh, where it says uh, Noah was left, those that were with him in the ark were left after the flood. All right. So the flood did not take their their lives, all right? This account of his faith uh, leads us to examine our own faith. Is my faith that strong? Is your faith that strong? Faith is a resource of power. Noah's faith gave him extraordinary power, power to live triumphantly among unbelieving people. Power to take decisive action. Power to preach to those who would not heed what he was saying. And power to walk a lonely road. Briscoe tells of seeing a painting of a stream with a bunch of fish heading one way and a solitary fish swimming in the opposite direction and underneath were the words. Any dead fish can float downstream. It takes a live one to swim against the current. And so Noah, through his faith, had resources of strength to be alive, to be one of the live ones going against the grain. And faith is a rebuke to uh, unfaithfulness. God was described in... in, uh, First verses, being righteous before God in this generation. All right. This pleased God, and it was probably an irritant in Noah's society to the people around him. Paul wrote uh, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verses 15 and 16 For to God we are of the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing both to some we are an aroma of death leading to death but to others an aroma of life leading to life and Briscoe points out he says my dad used to always say isn't it strange that the same sun that melts wax hardens clay the sun's properties do not change but the properties of the materials on which the sun shines are revealed by its heat. The response of a believer's testimony reveals the heart of the one who hears that testimony. And it's a reminder, faith is a reminder uh, to the faithful. Matthew 23, 36, 39 tells of Jesus teaching about the time of His second coming. Now concerning that day and hour and No one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor nor the Son, except the Father alone. As the days of Noah were, so the coming of the Son of Man will be. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark. They did not know until the flood came and swept them away. And this is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. Noah's faith held even though even those who heard his warnings, they ignored everything he said. Noah's faith held even though the ridicule through which he must have certainly suffered sustained him. Noah's faith reminds us to stand our ground when we are tempted to settle into lives that are just like unbelievers who are around us. But, the flood ends, the waters uh, and uh, subside, all right? And there's a new new creation, the ark is lands, all right? Chapter 8, God remembered Noah as well as all the wildlife and the livestock that were with him in the ark. God caused a wind to pass over the earth, and the water began to subside. the sources of water, the watery depths, and the floodgates of the sky were closed, and the rain from the sky stopped. The water steadily receded from the earth. By the end of 150 days, the water had decreased significantly. The ark came to rest in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. Now that we don't know where the mountains of Ararat are, there's a mountain today called Mountain. And perhaps that's it, but it's a long way from Israel it's a long way from the Holy Land it's up in Turkey near Turkey or in Turkey near uh and so right there's about 17 it, the Days Mountain era, it's about mm-hmm. 17 thousand feet high all right and so it, that may have been it but I I think when it says it may not be the right thing right place all right. Chapter 8 begins, God remembered. Now, that's just a, a literary device. Uh, that means the time had come for what was to follow, all right? What, the time has now come for what was to follow. In this case, uh, the ending of the flood waters. All right, they had been delivered by the intervention of, of God. Uh, and beginning with verse 5 through verse 12, the water continued to recede. And uh, going on, after 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark, he had made, and he sent out a raven, and went back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove to see whether the water on earth's surface had gone down, but the dove found no resting place for it's foot, and he returned to him in the ark, because the water covered the surface of the whole earth. So the water had gone down, but it had not gone away. All right, it had not gone away. all. Uh, and I think when you think go back and you think about this, I've got a lot of questions about all of this. And I suppose you do too. You know, a flood is found in the records of many religions of the world. The circumstances are different, all right. But they they, they just they have the wrong perspective on the flood. But if, if water and it tells us here that water covered tops of the mountains. Twenty feet. Well, this Mount Ararat Ararat that we have today is seventeen thousand feet. And calculations, scientists say the calculations, if if Mount Everest is twenty nine thousand feet, and if that much water would have to be eight times the amount of water contained in the whole Earth, underwater, (laughs) oceans. Sky, clouds, earth. And so he says, Well, it's got to be different. So maybe the mountains now are not the same as they were then. I have questions, but the Bible says it. I believe it. All right? Uh, All right. And so Noah's going to get a chance now to enjoy uh, this new creation. He had been saved, and his family had been saved. All right. Uh, Just like we are a new creation in Christ, they've got a new creation before them now. All right. He knew what he was doing, uh, didn't he, with the the dove and with the raven. All right. He was pretty smart. All right. And so, but we have here uh, some excitement. And I think Noah's excitement was tempered with some delay. It took him some time for the land to dry out thoroughly. Uh, when their time in the ark totals about a year. Uh, and so during that time, he methodically continued to do his duties caring for his cargo. And finally, God spoke to, to Noah in verse 13. And what did he tell Noah? right. In the six hundred and first year in the first month on the first day of the month, the water had covered the earth was dried up. Then Noah removed the ark's cover and saw that the surface of the ground was drying, and by the twenty-seventh day of the second month the earth was dry. Then Noah God spoke to Noah, Come out of the ark, you, your wife, and your sons, and your sons' wives with you. Bring all the animals. Reminds me of Cliff Deval's. Comment and I've shared this with you before. He always said he had a picture in his office in his study of Jesus standing, you know, the, the painting, Jesus standing at the door, knocking. There's no latch on the outside, which is always open up your heart and let Jesus in. Cliff Duval always said, No, I've, I've got another idea. Jesus knocking on the door, and it says, Church time to come out. Come on out. Come on out. Church, come out. All right. And then following, uh, when you, you bring all this out, so Noah, along with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives came out. And all the animals and the creatures that crawled and all the flying creatures, everything that moves on the earth came out of the ark by their, by their families. Now then, so his first action, once they got out of the ark, was what? The Bible tells us. It was an act of worship. He built an altar. Alright? Mm-hmm. Noah built an altar to the Lord. He took some of every kind of clean animal and every kind of clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Okay. And so that's why there were more of those. Okay? That's quite Alright and God responded to that Says, when the Lord smelled another instance where we uh, uh, put our senses into God's uh, personality when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma he said to himself I'll never again curse the ground because of human beings even though the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth onward and I will never again strike down every living thing as I have done it was pleasing to himself, God says, and, and he said to himself, so this would have been, these phrases would have been the Holy Spirit telling Moses how God reacts, how God reacts. Right? When, uh, when and, and Briscoe writes uh, about his church and his commentary, especially talks about this and let me just read that to you listen to what he said about this church at that particular time he says in recent years our church has been privileged to work with many hundreds of refugees from the Orient I've observed there is no standard way in which they respond to their environment some appear to be totally overwhelmed by the newness and the strangeness of everything that surrounds them. And I've often wondered if they've been so traumatized by their recent experiences that they felt incapable of making any more changes in their lives. On the other hand, some of them seem to plunge into the new environment with such enthusiasm and and, uh, verve that it appears as if they had been waiting all their lives to grab this opportunity with both hands. The former tend to settle into an ethnic ghetto, while the latter branch out into a lifestyle of challenge and a lifestyle of growth. Well, the same thing could have happened to Noah. He could have become so attached to his animals, his way of looking after them, that he declined to step out of the ark when told to. But instead, he obeyed and the new life began. Perhaps more importantly, for our purposes, it is sad sometimes to see new believers who appear to be content to sit in the ark of salvation and never branch out into the new life which the ark has offered them. Life is for living, and newness of life is no exception to that rule, And that's what Noah found. Let's pray. Father, we looked at your word very, very briefly. There's so much here, Father. But help us go back and study it carefully to know what we should follow through from this. How should we behave? What should we say to those around us? How should we be in the society as it is today? Speak to us daily, O oh Lord, that we might be a testimony, a testimony that's genuine, a testimony that's backed up by works, so that other may, others may see you in us. That's our prayer now as we leave for worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.